everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. This week on the podcast, we're talking with Dr. Jonathan Powers, Assistant Professor of Worship Studies at Asbury Seminary. In this episode, we have a great conversation about the intersection of faith, art, and worship, and how our stories intersect with God's creative story. In addition to being a professor, Jonathan is a singer-songwriter and hosts a songwriting group for students on campus. Let's listen. Um, But I want to talk a little bit, first of all, about how you came to Asbury Seminary. So, uh, as a student or as a faculty? Uh, well, both. Either, kind, both, yeah, both okay. kind of because I saw that you were an English major at Asbury I College, yes. and I took some literature classes over there because okay. I was creative writing okay. and journalism. Cool. And the joke in my English classes was, well, don't tell your parents you're an English major because you're right. not going to get a job. Yes. But you obviously have a job. So, yes. so <laughs> I, you know, that. what I would always respond, because people would always say that, like, what are you going to do with an English major? And I said, what can I not do with an English major? <laughs> <laughs> right. like, um, you know, I'd usually come back with uh, law schools a lot of times would uh, – English majors were, were a lot of times the second uh, most major – after like pre-law or political science or something like that um, to go into law school because you learn how to read documents, think analytically, um, create arguments about what you're reading, stuff like that. So, um, so there's, there's a lot of opportunity. But uh, when I was in university uh, or at the college, it was Asbury College at the time, um, so I, did, I was an English major. Um, and a Bible minor, and I started off um, taking Bible classes first because I was, I was really interested in learning more um, about scriptures in a more formal academic way, and I, I did Hebrew um, for four semesters there as well. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I loved it. I really enjoyed all the, all the biblical studies that I did, but um, I've always just been a big reader. I just I love reading. I've loved poetry. I've, I like to write poetry. I used to write short stories as a kid. Really? Um, yeah, it, that was just kind of my fun little um, killing time. I was I, this morning actually. It's so funny that we're talking about this. This morning I was talking to my wife because we were talking about um, Asbury University got their first computer, like internet computer set up in 1996. And this was like the anniversary. They like the throwback <laughs> today to 1996. And I was like, oh, that was only three years before I was a student there, you know, because I started in 1999. Um, but my dad, um, and we were talking about when our families got their first computers. And my, my wife said, um, you know, she remembers it in middle school. And I said, I don't remember when we got our first computer, but I do remember, I think it was like seventh grade, maybe our family got our first computer. And my dad um, had a typewriter before that, and since he had a computer, he gave me his typewriter, and I would just sit in my room just in free time, spare time, and I would write poems or I would write short stories on, wow. on that typewriter. That's, so, was, yeah. yeah, I just loved it. I, I loved the creative writing part of it. I loved um, uh, thinking through stories um, and character and things like that. Um, and coming into college, uh, I hadn't done so much – of the um, creative writing part in uh, in high school. Well, I did a little bit in high school, but it, it kind of tapered off at the end of high school. And I wasn't doing much in college. Um, and I really loved the biblical studies I was doing, but I was also in um, in a band that played around a lot of different places, open for different folks. Stuff. So we, we had we'd done a lot of different things, and I was doing a lot of the lyrical writing for that and just love the songwriting, but because it, it was a Christian band. Um, right. You know, it was how does faith, how does biblical studies, and how does songwriting all this come together? And I wanted to think more about the um, language arts. You know? Okay, yeah. And so um, as I was doing that, I, I, I uh, 
my first year, I did not take any English classes. I actually tested out of all of them because of AP and um, ACT scores. Nice. I didn't have to take any English classes coming in, um, uh, which showed that that was a strength of mine. Right, right. You know? um, and it took until my second semester, sophomore year, I finally took an English class. And I was like, oh, I've missed this so much. And I decided right then and there that I want to be an English major. Like, I don't okay. want to stop doing this. <clears throat> and especially as much as I want to um, – I want to encourage my own, develop my own poetical skills, language yeah. art skills, and things like that, um, and seeing how Bible and and English really came together in a significant way. Say, you know, I, I think these two can work together in going into ministry. Um, you know, uh, my my dad actually told me when I said I was becoming an English major and I wanted to do Bible minor. He told me. Um, and I, I believe this is true, but this way he told me at the time. Um, you know, Ellsworth Callis was an English major. Really, and I didn't look know at, that. Yeah, yeah. He said, and, and you know, see what he does in terms of his preaching and wow. all that. So he said, this is a great skill to have for yeah. ministry, really. So I was like, I agree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So was college the first time that you started thinking about the relationship between? art and faith or was there yeah. did that happen before then you know a little bit in high school um i, I mean I'd, you know uh, as a teenager growing up in the church growing up uh in youth group and things like that definitely thinking on faith matters and and, and all that but i, I wasn't um it, it's not it's it's not as nuanced and deep you know uh, right. but there was there was some of that i loved um i loved church art and architecture Okay. So my family lived in England for a, a short period of time. No um, way. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. And and that really fed a lot for me in terms of um, uh, even worship, you know, talking about worship. Because my dad, um, it was a pulpit exchange, so he was uh, preaching in, in the circuit. They had a more than one church in England as okay. a Methodist pastor. You had multiple churches. Okay, kind of like that. John Wesley. Ex- like exactly, here yeah. Is, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, so you'd have uh, four or five churches or three churches that you'd um, be pastoring in. I mean, and, and a lot of times, no matter what the size, you know, here a lot of times you get to a certain size and you don't have to do that anymore. You right. only have one. But there, you know, you could still have multiple churches. Um, so he had three Methodist churches and one Anglican church that he um, that he pastored in while we were there. Um, but while we were there, we would go um, visit a lot of castles and a lot of cathedrals. Yeah. And in uh, a lot of other churches, parish churches, but um, just significant parish churches that were so beautiful. The architecture oh, yeah. was just, you know, yeah, it was, it was gorgeous. And seeing the art displayed and walking into that space and being overwhelmed by these images, by the symbols, by the space itself, and feeling like I, I'm walking into something beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that beauty really struck me. And with all that, I, I really started thinking through, um, I mean, in, in a very minimal kind of way, then like there's something to this, but I didn't go too far with it. But as I kept going in, in college and in seminary, yeah. really thinking, okay, how, um, what is the relationship between all this stuff? You know, as we think about worship, as we think about God and God's presence with us in worship, as we think about um our um, just our our uh, creative expression, even right. um, that reflects God's own creativity. You know all this. It, it just it, it started spurring a lot of those thoughts. You know, it was like the seeds were planted there in high school, but it was really in college. And the English major really did do that. Looking at you know some of my English classes, saying um, 
uh, what does it mean to be a sub-creator of the creator? Mm-hmm. And how do, the, how do mm-hmm. the arts really um, embody that in an incarnational kind of way? So right. it was theology and art coming together. I was like, oh, I love this. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so how have you found or how are you finding the way that art does inform our faith, like musically, through sure. literature, things like that? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's so much. Um, the uh, storytelling, um, just thinking through literature, you know, there's something about the narrative quality um, of our own lives, you know, um, uh, recognizing our stories and how they're brought up into God's story mm-hmm. and seeing this this grand story, this grand narrative that we are um, – that we're part of and, and that God has invited us into and knowing how do we proclaim that well. Um, so, so some kind of integration there. Um, music, um, God has just made us um, for some reason with this capacity that music just hits us and moves us and stirs us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an embodied thing, but it's it's emotional, but our bodies are involved in music too. Like we, we want to move or clap. You know, we, we get all of us to, involved. Our, our brains, our hearts, our bodies are all working mm-hmm. together, you know, in music. And there's something amazing about that, that our whole selves can be um, wrapped up in that as, as an expression of worship. Um, and as a means of grace, you know, that, that God is, is yeah. te- you know, God, God is somehow um, inviting us into his life um, through music. Um, you know, there's, uh, I mean, this is, I, I can't verify this with um, much, you know, off the top of my head, but um, there's there's some scholarship out there that believes that when God speaks, it's actually in song, you know? Really? Okay. Yeah. So it wouldn't be like we talk necessarily, like, but like when God speaks and breathes creation into being, um, it's kind of like Aslan in the uh, with Narnia. It's right. sung into being, or Tolkien with um, uh, uh, Middle Earth. You know, it's sung in, in the Cimmerillion. You know, you see the sung into being, and so this creative expression of God. Um, you know, our, our our art reflects it even in our music mm-hmm. because it is a reflection of maybe his own character and his own voice in mm-hmm. that. Again, you know, like that, that you can't really pull that out biblically mm-hmm. exactly, but. Um, but I think there's something to it, you know, theologically when we begin to think about it, I think there's something beautiful to it and uh, yeah. something to at least uh, contemplate. Right. You know? I think it's really interesting to talk about us as sub-creators because mm-hmm. um, not everybody would identify themselves as a creative person. Right. But I think in some ways we all are, have some yeah. capacity for the creative, even if it doesn't get expressed in art and or music right. or that's so true, and it's it's funny because a lot of times I'll talk to people, or talk to my classes. You know, I'll say, um, so um, let's think about the arts in worship. What arts can be employed in worship? You know? Right. So some people will say language arts. You know, writing liturgies, writing prayers, uh, crafting a sermon. You know, especially kind of a narrative style sermon. Um, uh, music. You know, poetry, um, spoken word poetry. Um, poetry in terms of lyrics in music, mm-hmm. um, and then music itself, you know, some musical arts there. Visual arts, uh, think of sculptures, you know, like right. Michelangelo and uh, people like that, um, um, that uh, Caravaggio, you know, these beautiful sculptures that they've done, and paintings as well, um, visual arts. Um, and uh, um, so we, so a lot of times it's those things that we think of very right. typically as art, the things that like, maybe were special things we did in middle school, you know, the <laughs> right. class we went to. Oh, we sang one, one day, then we went to art class, and then we did something else. Right, you know? and our mom hung it on the refrigerator. Yes, you know? yeah. yes. But I tell people, like, okay, those are great, and a lot of those do take skill, but on, on the one hand, 
you know, um, my uh, my five year old daughter is a is a really fine artist. Like she really draws great things, especially for a five year old. You know, right. she she draws she does wonderful drawings. Um, my uh, my two year old daughter. Does, has a piece of paper and she drew like two green lines on it <laughs> and says, here, daddy, a picture, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's not, but for me, it's like the most wonderful thing, you know? And so it's because she's bringing that to me. Now, if she did that when she was 25 and had studied art for 10 years, I'd be like, I don't think this, you know, right. <laughs> are you really you me your best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, there's something to say like, okay, maybe we don't have the same kind of talents as other people, but it's giving what we can give to God and whatever that is, mm-hmm. you know? Um, in arts, but also not limiting the arts to those things that we usually see on display like that. Right. So say, um, you know, a, a, uh, an important aspect of worship, um, when we think of, of, of worship being done in um, word and table, as my church does, as we celebrate here at Asbury Weekly and daily at Daily Eucharist, I say um, important art form that we don't think of is culinary arts. Oh, yeah, for you know, sure. So, yeah. Yeah. so part of being a sub-creator of the creator is maybe God has gifted you in cooking or in uh, design, you know, home mm-hmm. design, um, things like that, and say, like, how is all of this still pointing towards God, giving right. God glory, doxological in that sense, and the glorif- glorifying God, um, in, in whatever those creative things that you have are, whatever they may be, or um, an, an engineer that knows how to put together mechanical stuff that I would never be able to do. Or I think of a friend of mine who's a geological engineer, and he understands dirt in such a way that I'm never going to understand it. Whoa, yeah. It, it, but it's beautiful. Like, to hear him talk about it, he he gets so excited about it and knows how to, like, drill into these places and can mm-hmm. do it so carefully. Or a friend of mine that's in Chicago, that's uh, a, there's a certain alloy that he he's a welder for, like, he does welding. And there's a certain alloy that he he does, and he's one of a handful, like two or three people in the nation that can do that particular alloy. And I think like something about that, like that is showing your creative, you know, God has given you this capacity. And okay, maybe it's not some mind-blowing painting or some soul-stirring song that's on display in the church, but this is still you being a sub-creator of the creator. Yeah, and your work reflects the glory of God. I was talking to somebody the other day, and he was quoting somebody, and I can't remember who he was quoting. I wish I could because I'd like to credit them. But he was saying that when you study something like what you were talking about, Mm -hmm. because you have to study that to, Mm -hmm. you know, be good at it. but. As you study stuff, if you go deep enough, what you find, you will it will reflect God like, oh, yeah. in the you know just by yeah. if, even if it's not Christian studies or something like that. Yeah. As you give yourself over to something, yeah. you will find God's truth. Yeah, in the midst of that, I think of how many astronomers that's the case for you know. Yeah, they they go out trying to seek answers in the universe and all these different um, uh, theories that they have out there and everything, and then um, a number of them, and even if they don't become, you know, uh, uh, what we would consider to be like a solid, you know, Christian believer, they at least become theists, you know. Right. So like, there's there's got to be something else out there, a God mm-hmm. out there in charge of all this, or that set all some or whatever. You know, it's it's very difficult for them to to fully immerse themselves in, fully study it, like you said, give themselves over to it, and not come to this place of saying. This is reflecting the glory of something, and so that means there has to be something for it to reflect. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 So as we're talking about that, how would you define worship then? Yeah, right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking about um, 
the heavens declare the glory of God, you know? Right. <laughs> this, yeah. And that's really it. You know, um, the, the problem with terms like, I, and I talk about this with students a lot, um, problems with terms like worship or grace or righteousness or love is that um, they're so simple and we know, it's like we understand them in our hearts, heads, <clears throat> excuse me, in our hearts and heads and things like that. Um, but then we have to like, our tongue has to articulate it. It's like, oh gosh, how do I? You know? Right. Because, you know, when I think, I think worship is much bigger than what I'm about to say. Yeah. But when I think of worship, I think of it as the beginning part of the service where you sing. But oh, sure. I'm coming, I know that it's yeah. so much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I think, uh, I think a reason for that, and, and I'm not saying this for you in particular, but, uh, but at large in the church, there has been that sense of music, um, uh, being correlated to worship, you know, that these two are uh, or, or relegated, you know, that worship is relegated to the musical components of the service. And I think the reason for that is because that has tended to be in a lot of practices in a lot of churches. Um, that has been the only time that the congregation is very participatory right. in worship. Um, and so all of worship should be a participation by the congregation, you know, in some way. Now, we can be participative, participative listeners, you know, to a sermon and things like that. But um, but to realize, first of all, that worship is a meeting with God and not a meeting about God. And we, we so I think we understand that in our heads a lot of times as, as church leaders. Um, but, but there's many times when um, I go to services and I think maybe you could articulate that, but, but you're not planning worship as such, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it, it seems like there's a lot... Do, do we believe that God is actually in the room with us? Because if we did, wouldn't we treat this a little differently? When, 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 you know, what, what is God for saying sure. to us? You know, how does the reading of Scripture not just a setup for the sermon, but it's God speaking to us? Mm. You know, we're actually giving attention to God, saying, here's your word being spoken and proclaimed to us. Uh, the sermon, again, you know, this is God now having a word for us, just as if, you know, you and I sitting down here, it's like we're sitting in the room with God and he's speaking to us now. Rather than like, okay, this is just a time of education, you know, or about God, or something yeah. that God's speaking to us. Um, so worship as a meeting with God, not a meeting about God, and worship as a participatory event, and worship as um, His people. Come, it's a loving response to our loving God. You know, God's first love has come towards us, has, has been given to us, poured out for us, um, and shown to us, revealed to us, and we are responding to that love. Um, mm-hmm. And we are glorifying God. We are celebrating God. Um, so it's hard, you know, if I was to put it in a very, what is worship in a, in a very kind of clean and simple definition, I would say it's simply celebrating God, celebrating the mighty acts of God and God's character, you know, so celebrating yeah. God. On Sunday, but not, I guess with that definition, it wouldn't yeah. have to always be when you exactly. go to your church service. Yeah, so the Sunday one would be the regular gathered communal time as the church to come together. Um, and we carry that with us out into our lives. And so I usually say that the Sunday morning or, or whatever time, I'm just going to say Sunday morning is kind of a default um, time. Right, right, but right. Yeah, 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 I realized I was like, people meet at different times. Yeah. I just arbitrarily pick Sunday right. morning. Right, no, 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 I'm, I'm with you. I say it all the time. I'm like, wait, let me backtrack. I mean that at, we're just going to use that as a standard. Right, yeah. right. Um, so, um, so that Sunday morning time coming together, um, I, I see that as it's fitting us for our life of worship. Right, because I was just thinking about that. So go on, because yeah, I want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I want to ask you how do we? I want you to finish what you're saying, okay. but then I'm going to come back to ask yeah, sure. you Great. how how to build 
a lifestyle of worship. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. 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 But go ahead. So so we come into that communal gathering, and there's there's a sense of God, there's an assured sense of God's presence here. We are coming into the presence of God. But I think a lot of times we don't come in with that mindset or expectation. We come in distracted by other things or, or focused on each other. Right. And sometimes the first words we say in worship are um, even reflective of that, like, hi, good morning, how y'all doing? Did you see the game last night? Or things like that. Right. Rather than... Um, you know, more tra- in more traditional, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be His kingdom now and forever. I mean, that's a pretty formalized acclamation. But even as simple as God is here, God is with us, and we have come to glorify Him. We welcome you today. And, you know, or uh, even the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, be with you. You know, something like that, just um, to acknowledge the reason we are here, the right. person we're here for. Yeah, it sets the tone. It does. It does. And so, um, so what we we come to worship a lot of times, you know, there's these polls saying why why is it that you go you choose a church? Why is it that you go to church? And a lot of times, um, those are like very high percentages, like eighty percent, um, like plus or minus eighty percent, but just pl- barely plus or minus eighty percent um, that people choose a church because of the preaching, um, which I can understand, you know, like um, you know, good preaching. But I think we come to church a lot of times, and innocently so, because I think people either haven't helped us, uh, we, we've uh, our culture shapes us. We're in a consumeristic culture, so it's about what we get. Right. It's about um, um, how much we're entertained. How much we're entertained. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and so we, we wanted to say, what can I come away with in this? How does it impact me? Um, and we're also a very pragmatic culture in the West, and so it usually is like, what is this producing? What is the result? Mm-hmm. Rather than simply, you know, a more Eastern mindset, an ancient. I should even just say this: an ancient mindset of worship is. How are we joining with heaven, participating with them in the glorifying of God? So like Revelation, the book of Revelation, how are we stepping into those heavenly liturgies and joining with the church across space and time right? and glorifying God and giving yeah. praise for all of his mighty works and his character? you know. And so a way that I, I, I'll, I'll talk to my classes about it is when I um, – so think of it this way. Um, if we're thinking about it in terms of like events and things coming together um, for an event, we're coming together for God, we're coming together before God, and we're coming together to celebrate God. Um, I say it, it's kind of like a birthday party. So let's say um, uh, my dad's birthday is coming up in just a week, actually, in uh-huh. a little over a week. And so um, uh, of the time of the recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, so so my, my dad's birthday is coming up here soon. And... Um, uh, so we're going to gather together. So my family, you know, I, my my daughters and I and my wife go to the birthday party, and we um, we're there, and then we're driving home afterwards. And my wife asks me, like, "Oh, wasn't that?" Or says, "Wasn't that a wonderful time? Didn't you enjoy this? This was so good. Right. How'd you feel?" And I just, and if I told her, like, "I don't know. I just wasn't fed by it." You know, I I didn't get much out of it. We sang happy birthday to guitar, and I can only sing happy birthday to, like, it's only meaningful to me <laughs> if I sing happy birthday this way. Right. You know, or with this instrumentation. Or um, they, di- they didn't have the cake that I liked, and I don't know. It just wasn't that entertaining to me. I didn't get any gifts. I didn't really come away with anything. You know, I think she would tell me, like, Jonathan, you're a jerk. <laughs> you know? Like, this isn't yeah. this wasn't about you. This was about coming to, to celebrate your dad and be thankful for his life. You know, so I think when we come to worship, you know, like, what are we coming to do? You know, if we're coming to celebrate God, then the focus on God, you know, there. But we use that language walking away from worship so many times. Yes, you have just 
changed my mind about how I think about worship because I have not been thinking about it. I come in and I'm like, well, I'm I'm kind of bored, or oh, but, yeah. and I don't come in with the right mindset either. So I'm not saying anything about the church no, that yeah, I sure, go to, sure, yeah. but I'm like coming in expecting to be like uplifted and and yeah. you can be. Yeah. I mean, and those are but natural you have to repair bi- your heart too. Yeah, and, right, right. And it's not necessarily all about me either, yeah. which I have not been thinking about yeah. it that way. So I appreciate that. Oh no problem, no problem. Yeah, and and I th- you know those. Um, the emotional impact, the education that we receive, the formation that happens, you know, are going to be natural byproducts of of good and right worship, you know. But um, but those aren't the purpose of worship. But we make those the purpose. We kind of get the order mixed up, you know. And um, when we're making those the purpose of worship, then um, we're, we're making worship something that's not meant to, supposed to be. You know, it's not, it's not meant right. to be. Like your dad's birthday party. It's not right. your party. Yes, yeah. yes. And I say, you know, a lot of times um, churches feel the pressure of worship has to do evangelism and discipleship and worship and a lot of times promoting events. You know? Right. <laughs> so all of these things simultaneously, rather than worship is the celebration of God, it's it's our love of God, our appreciation of God, our glorifying God. And again, uh, formation will happen. Um, but if I walk away saying, like, I wasn't um, – if I reduce it to saying it's only about the emotional impact I get or the education that I receive in it, you know, it challenged me or stirred me in some way, then first of all, I'm making it about me. Um, and second of all, that is a very consumeristic approach to worship. Um, rather than I am coming to glorify God, to focus on God, God is here, and, um, and, 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 and yeah, giving myself over. And then through that, meeting with God. So, so there's you know, a, a pattern of worship, a, a, a flow or the narrative of worship is God calls us to himself, we gather in his presence, um, and we have these acts of gathering together and focusing on God and proclaiming His character through song, through liturgies, whatever you know. Um, but talk, you know, singing, singing to God and and and, and praising God for the, the things He has done and just the way He is, you know, the, the, His the things befitting of His own character. Um, and then we hear from God in the scriptures, in the um, sermon, and and we, and we speak to God too. You know, in this meeting, we're we're offering prayers and stuff. So I don't mean to ignore those things; just kind of generalized, you know. We come together and proclaim God's goodness and proclaim God's works. Then we hear from God, and then um, we have this act of of more kind of intimate um, committing to God. And you know, uh, typically that's been done in the history of the church on that Sunday morning gathering at the table, you know, in, in communion, Eucharist, and this um, God giving of Himself to us, um, feeding us by grace, um, and uh, offering um, something to us, and, and us making a commitment to God. Um, so, th- so then we are sent forth, empowered by God. You know, we have met with God. We have we have heard from God. God has given His grace to us that we might be sent forth to continue this lifestyle of worship. Yeah. And we take it with us as we go forth and say we have been fit for, um, you know, if this is stepping into the kingdom in a sense, stepping joining in this heavenly worship, we are, we have been fit for life in the kingdom so that we can go forth. And carry that um, that worship, that adoration, and that um, mission of joining Christ in His work of building the kingdom on earth. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so do you lead worship at your church? Because I know you do sometimes at I the do. seminary. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I, um, I'm one of our regular. Or not, do you lead the music? music yeah, yeah. Music, yeah. Um, but you know, in in larger sense, worship, and I'm part of our worship design team. Um, okay. So we'll we'll talk through the various elements of service. I'll you know sometimes I'm doing music, sometimes I'm doing more liturgical acts. You know, might do, okay. uh, um, 
some of the prayers and uh, kind of guiding through uh, more spoken parts of the service yeah. and things. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think uh, in, in a broader sense, worship, yes. Uh, but the more standard part of that for me is the musical is the music, part. Yeah. yeah. So, as you're on the the worship design team, mm-hmm. what are some ways that you you have found builds a, a can I call it a meaningful yeah, service yeah. or a meaning, like, yeah. meaningful way for people to engage with God? Yeah, you know, as as much as I I, I talk about all of those things I mentioned just a few moments ago which are all crucial and very important. Another part of it that we cannot ignore um, is that there is a personal element to it. I say worship's never meant to be individual, so it's not just me. And, and I mean, really, we can never be because if we are united in Christ, we are always connected to the communion of saints. So yes. we're never individuals, you know, yeah. in Christ. Um, so, um, so it's not individual, but it, it should be personal. You know, so there is a personal element to it. And um, when we're thinking through how do we... Um, how do we how do we craft worship? How do we invite people in? Um, part of what we're thinking, and so so to go back to our um, our, our discussion just a few moments ago on music, mm-hmm. where I see um, in a lot of churches, music's the only place that people are really participating. We're always trying to think through how can we help people participate in the service, right? Through you know work, through calls and responses, through music, um, through prayer. Um, uh, through, so, so that's one of the things that we really keep in front of us all the time is um, how do we foster participation? Okay. And sometimes participation isn't just the act itself because we can say like, oh, well, yeah, they're just saying things, but it seems kind of dead and rote. The reason for that, I think, a lot of times is because people don't know why we're doing what we're doing. You know, so mm-hmm. um, just a little bit of education sometimes can help. Yeah. You know, and again, not to turn worship into education, but just give a little prompt, say like, as we come to do this. So what we're really doing is, um, yes, educating, but really what we're doing is inviting them into the practice. Okay. So where are those moments? And this is where it's helpful sometimes um, for us to say, we need to get new people on our worship design team because we need to know where, uh, like we've done this for five years and we taught about it three years ago, but now somebody new who's coming on that's been, you know, just started coming to our church in the last two years can say like, yeah, I have no clue why you do that. Right. You know, like, okay, so we need to teach on it again. You know, right. We need to invite people in again. And so, uh, you know, here at chapels, we try to do that every once in a while um, for different practices that we do. Yeah. Because yeah. as we invite people into those practices, whatever they might be, then they take on meaning for us. Yeah. And so we're thinking, those are the things we think through. What are what are practices we can do that help foster participation um, and, and kind of add a personal element to it, a personal engagement, you know? Um, what uh, where, where are places that we need to invite people in that we need to be, be mindful and intentional and, uh, um, and regular about inviting people into a practice? Um, and then... Um, uh, how do we allow that space? You know, uh, the other side of it is um, how do we allow space to um, to remember that God is active in worship, mm-hmm. and so um, it's not us just doing things the whole time, but also being mindful that God is here and God is with us and meeting with us and speaking and doing things as well. Yeah. And so those are some of the things. And then um, then we use things like church calendar. And, oh, yeah. 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 Talk to me a little bit yeah. about liturgy and, liturgy and formation. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, so, so things like, you know, the, the church calendar um, and that structure that I talked about, that fourfold, that four movement, you know, yes. kind of narrative um, of gathering together, God's word being spoken and proclaimed, God speaking to us coming to the table and then sending us out. 
that fourfold structure, you know, is a, is a, a broad liturgical structure, a broad okay. liturgy um, that we uh, that, that we come regularly to, um, and it reminds us of our own um, salvation narrative. You know, it's I- Israel. You know, God called Israel to Himself. He spoke to them at Mount Sinai. Um, he uh, he fed he fed them in the wilderness and brought them into the promised land and sent them out as a nation to be a light to other nations. Christ brought the disciples to himself. He taught them by his word. He um, gathers with them at the Last Supper, and then at the end he sends them out to be his witnesses all over the earth, to the ends of the earth, mm-hmm. you know? Um, in our own lives, um, God has called to us and um, has uh, has revealed himself to us and brought himself to us, has spoken to us, and then he, he feeds us by his grace that we might Continue as his witness. So that's a liturgy. You know that uh, really liturgy just means the work of the people. Okay, I um, never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that's the the, the torgia, the the Greek for it's just work of the people, um, the activity of the people. And so when we talk about liturgy and worship, um, really it's just whatever we're doing. You know. Okay. So your liturgy might be formalized and very high church. Your liturgy could be very low church and free. Um, you know, a more free, um, spontaneous liturgy or whatever. But all of that would be your liturgy, depending on what it is, because that is what you do and how you're doing things together as the people, the congregation in worship. Hmm. That's so, really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So so for that, four, the, the normative pattern of liturgy has, has followed that four-movement narrative that, um, that I was talking about because we continue um, to say that this is the narrative that shapes our lives. Um, this is the narrative that we live mm. in. This is the narrative of God at work with us, um, in us, and um, in this world. Yeah, and I like that word narrative because it goes back to our story yeah. interacting with God's Come, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and uh, and and, that, and that's so key, you know, is to say that God's story is the ultimate story, and we find our place in it, rather than. Uh, sometimes um, I think there's pressure to feel like we've got to fit God into our story somehow, mm-hmm. but rather we are being brought into God's story, and, and there's something beautiful about that. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so the liturgy, the different things that we do in worship then, as we come together as a church, the activities that we do as the people of God are formative to us. Um, they're they're going to teach us about God. You know, the things that we say in worship are going to tell us about God's character. Um, they're going to tell us about God's actions in the world. Um, they're going to help uh, give us responses to God. Um, uh, so there is that formative element um, to it um, uh, in in worship. Um, but liturgy um, through all those things, you know, we are in, embodying uh, worship, acts of worship, and and carrying those with us as we go um, go out into the world. And so I think all the time. Um, you know, thinking about uh, uh, music in particular, um, I think all the time, you know, going on social media and things like that, where I see people post lyrics of songs that they sing, yeah, you know, or, or they're facing a hard time, or they see a beautiful sunrise, you know, and just want to say something about it, and they'll post lyrics to a song, you know, a hymn mm-hmm. or a chorus or whatever, you know, um, and uh, it's it's that content of worship that has seeped into them that they're using to express um, prayer and praise to God. And so it, it shows that whatever we're, we're inputting in worship is going to have output um, in other places. Yeah. And so it is formative. Um, so the content itself, as well as the patterns of what we do and live into, so even the church calendar saying there's certain 
seasons where we do certain things and focus on certain aspects of Christ's life. And for us as a church, we say, so during Lent, as we're journeying with Christ to the cross, we're actually going to take time to lament because we don't need to wait for some huge disaster to come up just to lament, and we're not prepared to lament. Instead, we want a season where we are very focused upon lament. Yeah, yeah. And crying, yeah, I'm crying out to yeah. God. So, what do you mean by we're not prepared to lament? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, we're not prepared to lament. Somebody, um, again, social media. I think of this um, when um, maybe uh, when we're upset about something that's happened culturally. If a political cycle doesn't go the way that we'd like it to. Um, or certain things in the news come out or whatever, I find that there's a lot of outrage. There's a lot of kind of immediate, um, um, you know, maybe anger and things like that, you know. But it doesn't have a direction. It's just kind of put out there. Right. You know, and so I don't think we know, like, what does it mean to give these things to God, to come to God first and proclaim them to God and to offer our sorrows and our hurts, our confusion, our anger to God? And uh, I mean, you know, knowing he can take it, <laughs> right? Big yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and and I think in our churches, because um, I, you know, where I say um, worship is celebrating God, it's it's glorifying God. Part of that is to say um, it also acknowledges, you know, it's saying, God, this is your character. God, this is your activity in the world. And as we come to prayer now, we we um, we acknowledge things are not right in this world. There are things that are against your will, that go against your will. There are things that do not line up with your character. And, and, and we are just, um, uh, we, 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 are, we are angry about them. We are, are saddened by them. Um, but, but I think, you know, uh, do, do our hearts break over those things or do we just get really angry, you know? Right, yeah, it's having a, pla- a space what to do with all those emotions. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I think laments. We don't talk about lament we don't. very much. When even the songs, you know, like you think of the songs that we sing, they're either very um, majestic and celebratory or very upbeat and peppy, you know, thinking like hymns and choruses, um, or they tend to be a little bit more intimate and, and soothing and things like that. There's some great hymns, you know, uh, uh, one that comes to mind immediately is Charles Wesley's Thou Hidden Source of Calm Repose. Just such a good line yeah, for English majors. Yeah, Thou hidden source of calm repose. Yeah. You know, and he wrote it when he and John were facing all these troubles in their ministry. They were they were going out and preaching and they were in very hostile environments. And um and Charles just writes that line, Thou hidden source of calm repose. You know, and, and to come to God with that. Um but to, you know, and so there, there's that sense, like the comfort, the soothing sense. But there's also just the sense of, you know, when we look at the Psalms, so many times they are just expressing it to God and giving that lament over. And and, and I think um, people need that. And, and and so we can talk about that in terms of social media and, and politics and, and whatever, you know, cultural wars and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, the greatest grief that we tend to face, you know, is the grief associated with death. I mean, yes. these other griefs are very real and impact us, but the grief of death is just has a different dynamic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and sometimes we don't give space in the church for that. It's okay. We we acknowledge it for a short time, and now it's like you've just got to kind of get back into the normative. Right. Kind of yeah. Put on because you face come to church that, to be happy. Exactly. You know, like exactly. We don't have yeah. We don't, yeah. But but to say like we are. 
in 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 Lent, let's just say Lent. You know, we're trying. My, my church the last few years said, "How do we invite people into lament?" We've tried to create space for that in prayers and prompting prayers and allowing place to to do some tangible things like write something on a rock and put it into a box. You know, yeah. to kind of be held there during the season of Lent. Um, and they're all taken away at Easter, you know, um, things like that, you know, to, to, to just give that those moments of expressing lament to God and, uh, and, and in worship, you know, to, to acknowledge things. Advent, another time for that, say, like, we are awaiting Christ's second coming just as those who awaited his first coming. We're looking for the time that Christ comes and establishes peace and justice and his kingdom comes and, and, and takes over this earth. But in that in-between time, we acknowledge things are not right with this world. And so we pray against violence. We pray against um, injustice. We pray against um, um, you know, whatever it might be, um, and, and we offer these to God. And and too many times we don't do that. We don't create that space in our churches for that. And um, so uh, so so learning how to lament, um, to say not everything in worship has to be happy and peppy and upbeat and all that. We are actually we can actually take time to do this and express it to God. It's biblical. I mean Yeah, it's okay to so mourn many psalms. And, yeah. Yeah. And use the Psalms. I mean sometimes like how do we do that well? Like we don't know how to do it. There's not many much material there. I just think just use the Psalm. Walk a congregation through the Psalm. Like take times to pause and let people reflect or just start reading the Psalms or singing them. And so like mm-hmm. in this time, we're just going to let this be our cry and we're going to take a moment of silence to let it just kind of sit yeah. you know, before we move on to whatever else. Um, but to always acknowledge with lament too that there is hope in God, hope in Christ. Yes, that is so important. You know? So yeah, there's always that turning point to say we don't just leave it there. We say, but in Christ there is redemption, but in Christ there is hope. Yes. Um, God, we look to your character in the past to give meaning to our present and hope for the future. Yes, for sure. Yeah, because it's yeah. David never stays in the pit of despair. He goes yeah, there, yeah. which I love his honesty because yeah. I'm like, yeah. But yeah, yeah to <laughs> come back out of it. Too. Yeah, he comes back out sometimes pretty quickly. It's kind he does. Of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and sometimes it feels like, you know, there's there's a moment. It's like you have one or two lines, and it just goes right back into the pit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, okay, that moment's still there, but it's okay. It, it also shows that it, it's okay if you're not, like, fully coming out of the pit, you right. know. Yeah. And like I said, with grief associated with death, um, we talk about stages of grief, and I know there's, there's some merit to that, but also grief just doesn't hit us, and it's not a systematic thing that we walk through. Right. It just hits us in waves. Like we could be walking down the street one day, and something just hit us, and all of a sudden it overwhelms yeah. us. And just because we've moved through all this other stuff doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. Right. And so we can prepare people well um, to to face those things um, with worship, with liturgy, mm-hmm. and to say we're, we're we want to teach you liturgies of lament. So that um, when you go forth from this place, you can know how to lament. We've established a, a narrative for you to enter into that um, that you know this this is the story, and and it's okay to proclaim these things as you face them out in the world. But the way that you're telling the story now might look different on social media than it has in the past. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how just do to use that? Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's yeah. a big one. Um, so how do we then go on to build a lifestyle of worship? So it's not just on Sunday mornings or whenever we get together to meet in community. How do we build a lifestyle of worship? Yeah, you know that that's such a good question and, and such an important um, uh, thing to consider. And it and it and it's hard to answer in the sense of. Um, you know, I think sometimes we feel like we just have to muster up. Like, how can I, you know, to pray without ceasing or worship without ceasing? How can I somehow, 
it's like, oh my gosh, I just started thinking about a grocery list. Was that worship? You know? <laughs> uh, or these practical things we have to do. Right. And say, well, you know what this is, is us living our lives, you know, like doing what God has made us to do out in the world and to reflect his glory is a big part of it. Um, but the only way we can do that is by his grace. Um, uh, you know, that's why I love this grace-filled life series that we're yes. doing this year. So good. Yeah, and just saying like it, it is that is the only way you can do it. As we are transformed by his grace more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, his grace empowers us, you know, and to think of grace as empowerment, not just, you know, a forgiveness and washing away or um, kind of unmerited favor, but no, grace is empowerment, empowerment for us to live like Christ. And to say, um, as as we go forth and in, in all that we do, um, it's it's worship not because we have some kind of emotional feeling all the time or or um, cognitive reflection all the time on on higher spiritual things, but to say like our lives just become this expression of glory to God, you know, glorifying God as yeah. we are made more in the image of Christ. Yeah, and so it is, you know, like we find ourselves, um, you know, committing time to the Word and. Um, and and in prayer and all these things, you know that um, um, it, it's been a conviction for me in more recent days to say I don't believe in works based righteousness or that we can earn God's favor like we um, or we earn our own salvation through works. You know that it's only I say this stuff. It's only by the grace of God and grace and God empowering us and God doing these things. And then I, I realize like oh, but I don't. I say that, but I don't live it based on how little I pray, you know? Yeah, that's a good word, yeah. It's like, I think I can do these things on my own. You know, I think that I have the strength to accomplish the things that God wants to accomplish um, because I pray so little about them. And it just hit me, um, and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, no, like, uh, if I truly believe that it's by the grace of God that that um, I'm able to do this, then um, what does it mean to commit myself more to prayer. And again, not saying like, so somehow I have to try to think in my head, how am I praying all the time, you know, so everything's a prayer. But just to say like, how, how am I intentional in times um, throughout the day or at, at points, you know, to pray and, and trying to incorporate more breath prayers in my life, um, just even as simple as, um, you know, I mean, there, there's the breath prayers of, um, uh, you know, uh, God have mercy on me, you know, yes, things like yes. that. Um, uh, to uh, um, just like God, you got this. You know, <laughs> it's a breath prayer. You know, anything like that can be a breath prayer. And just say, I, uh, how can I incorporate that more into my life so it, it helps me focus a little bit more on God um, throughout the day? Um, or, or just, just um, God be with me, Holy Spirit. I need you. You know, mm-hmm. just that. You know, like mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, only you can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, even as much as I know, I have. I've done this without giving these prayers to you in the past. I think it's by your grace that it happened in the first place, yes. um, and uh, uh, that I that I did not recognize. Forgive me for that, and in this time, help me. You know, yeah. um, so uh, so to rely on God in that, but 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 to say the empowerment of God. You know, um, uh, I think our lives as, as we are as we change from glory into glory, as we continue in the sanctification process. I think that just starts to um, that that's part of what happens is our lives take on more and more of a reflection of of Christ, you know, and through that um, of worship without mm-hmm. ceasing, a lifestyle of worship. And so it's not something I have to figure out. How do I do it? How do I make it happen? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you know, being intentional, saying there's a responsibility to cultivate this, 
um, but not a uh, um, a pressure to say I have to muster it up from within me somehow. Right, yeah. right. It's letting the Holy Spirit work in yeah. you and the means of grace of worship combined with yes. other things too. Like, yeah, another means. Of, yeah, yeah. Means of grace of worship, means of grace of the Eucharist, means of grace of script. You know, com- uh, continually submitting ourselves to these means of grace, practicing these means of grace. And the more we practice them, the more our lives begin to take on a lifestyle of worship. Yeah. 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 That's great. I'd put it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, so do you write, you write your own songs, is that right? Too? I do. Yes. Yeah. Um, in more recent years, it's, it's taken on more liturgical. So talking about liturgy, um, I, I've had this real interest in, um, you know, for, for a long period of the church and even in uh, Eastern Orthodox and, and some Catholic or Anglo-Catholic um, uh, parishes today, um, the, almost the entire liturgy is sung. Um, so, you know, there's chants, there's, oh, yeah. yeah, things yeah, like that, okay. you know. Um, and so we, uh, in, in more Protestant and evangelical circles um, where we have um, more formalized liturgical acts, we tend to speak them. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So if I can interrupt yeah, the please. question. Yeah. yeah. So why do we sing, you know? Cause, oh, why do we sing? Yeah. yeah. I don't oh, know man. If, if that's taking a different direction, no, we no, can no, finish no. up. But. Yeah, that's good. I, there's a lot. To, that's another one that's a, a great question and like so many answers to okay, it. Okay, so then let's, um, yeah, we can go there and then we'll yeah, come back to your songwriting. Perfect, perfect, yeah. So um, I, uh, I I guess my short answer would be, and this is the cop-out answer that academics tend to always give. <laughs> I wrote something on this, so you can read it on Seedbed's blog or in the <laughs> okay. front of the Asbury Hymnal, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, uh, that doesn't do much good for a podcast. Um, well, we know? can link to stuff <laughs> okay, in the show cool. notes. So, oh, great, yeah. great. Um, so, uh, so, so those things. Um, but, but just to kind of sum it up, you know, uh, we sing because there is something, like I said earlier, you know, it, it involves our entire selves. Um, our minds, our bodies, our hearts, our emotions, everything is active. Um, and so there's something about that that's beautiful. Um, there's something about um, all coming together in one voice and singing, something powerful about that. Something about the way God has just made us from mu- where music, and, and I know that's not everybody. Some, you know, I, I know some people where they say, like, I'm just not a very musical person. Music doesn't do much for me, you know, and, uh, uh, and that's okay. That's just the way that they're wired and they're made. But for the huge majority of, of people, you know, um, music is something very important and very um, crucial to um, uh, just part of who we are. Um, and so, uh, so God has just wired us that way. And so we sing um, because we are we are um, proclaiming praise. We're proclaiming prayer to God. Um, we're giving glory to God through those things. Uh, we sing because it is a participatory act. Um, we are in, we are engaging in worship. We are. Um, we are combining our voices. Here's what's really cool. So talk about like this mystical union of the church, you know, um, how can we be one? How can we be the body of Christ and somehow singular, but also made up of, you know, people, of, of individuals, you know? Um, when you think about music, when you hear a congregation singing, you're hearing one sound, but you're also hearing multiple sounds, you know? Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So it's only one thing you're hearing, but you're also hearing lots of different things come together to make that one thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's where people like Jeremy Begbie talk about the Trinity. We can't use visual and spatial aspects to talk about the Trinity, but you can use music because a chord has to have three notes. And so a root and then a, a third and a fifth usually is a chord. And so those three notes come together. You only hear one sound, but they never lose their distinction and activity within what makes that chord. Yeah, that's beautiful. So yeah, so even you know, music and singing and all that is is even a reflection of theology and and of of the Trinity, the nature of the Trinity, yeah. and all that itself. And so all of these things come together. You know, it's it's a means of grace, as, as I said. Um, 
God is um, God is glorified, but we are coming together and receiving grace from God in this in some strange way that He is feeding our hearts through the words and the music and the emotion, all that, um, drawing us nearer to Himself and uh, um, and empowering us um, by His grace and His love. Um, so, uh, so all these are part of it, and so. Um, Singing those, sing, and, and and there's something extra to the act of singing. You know, we can speak it, but something about suddenly singing it just takes on a different nature. So, Augustine, um, Saint Augustine of Hippo, wrote in one of his expositions on the Psalms. I think it was Psalm 73. It's this whole paragraph, but it's been pared down in more recent years to whenever yeah. we pray, we sing twice. You know, and so something about singing is it's a prayerful act when we sing um, to God, you know, when we're, we're entering in worship, it's a prayerful act, um, but there's an extra utterance to it somehow, mm-hmm. you know, by doing this, by, by singing it, um, there's something more to it. Mm-hmm. So all that's part of it, you know? Yeah. So so when it comes to songwriting, you know, that, that means, uh, you know, think about liturgy, formation, um, the importance of singing, kind of bringing all of that together. Um, you know, I have a passion for songwriting and um, uh, the musical side of it, but especially the lyrical side of it, because we're putting prayer and praise on the lips of the congregation. Yes. You know, we're giving them the things to say. We're giving them the Facebook material for later in the right, month. Right, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, those those types of things that are very important um, as they say things about God and the church and the world and, uh, and who we are as Christians yeah. and all that. You're learning to sing your theology and what yes. you believe. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and th- that's a, a common um, axiom in... Um, Lyrical theology, the the study of lyrics and and uh, song and liturgy, um, is show me what you sing and I'll tell you what you believe. Oh yeah. Yeah, like this is you know these are the things that are going to shape your your idea of God of who mm-hmm. God is, mm-hmm. and what God does in the world. And so, um, so with songwriting, you know, more recently I've been um, focused on writing. Um, so I've, I've written a lot of different things. I've written songs that I consider more devotional songs. Mean that just means they're not meant for congregational worship. Okay, so like, still Christian songs. Yeah. yeah, personal, personal. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, and great stuff out there by many people that do that type of songwriting. Um, then there's songs for congregational worship. You know the the way that they can invite people in to sing them and um, the structure of the songs, different things, just makes it easier for congregation to join in and sing. Um, so I've written some of those. I've written some of the more personal songs, um, devotional songs. But I've also written, um, more recently, it's, it's been taking liturgies of the church. So uh, like one was an absolution. Um, so we hear an absolution, you know, we confess our sins, and then we hear um, something like, blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, yes. mm-hmm. um, who is covered by the blood of the Lamb. You know, um, hear the good news that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, or we are forgiven. You know, and so thinking of those things and saying, like, what would it be to sing some of that? Or a prayer of confession. Yeah. You know, what would it be to sing the prayer of confession together rather than just speak it? Um, so I've been focused on that a little bit more recently. Yeah, that's lovely. So, yeah, and it's been fun. You know, it was a, it was a different kind of challenge for me. Um, but uh, but that, that doesn't negate some of the other. I've just, that's, some of it's just with teaching and other yeah. things. You know, I, that's what I've had time to do. Yeah, that's what you're doing things, right now. So, yeah. Yeah. When you start writing, what is your creative process like? Oh yeah. Um, so uh, it, you know, it, it just kind of depends. Sometimes, out of the blue, like I'll be in the shower and I'm just kind of singing, or something comes to mind. It just kind of happens. So then I sit down and 
and work uh, through something. Um, sometimes it's, I want to write, yeah. you know. Um, I don't sit down in the shower and write. Like, I get out really quick. And <laughs> yeah. <get out. laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask, like, do you think, like, because I've heard about people who, like, stuff just comes to yeah. them. I'm not one of those people. Sure. Do you think it's because you've honed that voice and listening to that voice? Or, oh, that's, or is uh, it just hmm. kind of just kind of how you're wired? Is that, yeah, there might that, be something to both of those, yeah. actually. You know, I think uh, I think that is, in, in a way, that's how I'm wired because I think um, – I like uh, I like expressing myself in poetry and thinking yeah. in in lyrical form. Yeah, you know, um, you know, someone like Charles Wesley did that. Fanny Crosby did that. Um, mm-hmm. um, it's it's like uh, I, I'm not like them, but they did it to the extent that it's almost like they just spoke in poetry. You know, they did it all the time. They wrote so much. Um, that's how they thought. Um, but I find for me. Um, uh, some of it could be honed. I think, uh, you know, songwriting and kind of a creative art um, in general um, is kind of like um, training for a marathon. Um, um, maybe there are those people that can wake up one day and they've never run a marathon in their life, and then they go to Boston and just run the whole Boston Marathon. And, yeah, most people yeah. aren't those people. <laughs> but most people are not those people. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to do some conditioning, you got to do some training, you got to learn like what what are the I mean skills, what are, what are some of the the practices is what right. I should say that you need to do to prepare yourself well for this. And so um John Foreman, the um lead singer and, and main songwriter for Switchfoot, um he uh he writes a song a day or writes lyrics a day, I should say. Okay. He's he every every day he sits down and he just works on some lyrics. Yeah. And some of those end up into and in, in, end up being full songs. Some of them end up maybe later becoming songs. Some of them are just him saying it's it's like conditioning. Yeah, you know? making space for the yeah. practice Make, that yeah. will lead to something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So when something hits, you know, he's been in that practice, and so you know, thinking through metaphor and imagery and and uh, rhyme and meter and okay. whatever. Yeah, you know, is helpful. And and so not not waiting just for that moment of inspiration to come, but saying there there's a discipline to it, and that's important. Um, and uh, and so when those moments do come, sometimes it's it's easier to get through things. But another part of it for me that I'm really big on is um, the editing process. Really? Okay. So yeah. So I think um, for songwriting in particular. Um, I mean, it, it could be, you know, someone like Mozart who can just sit down and write a perfect song um, in one sitting uh-huh. and, and, and it's there, you know, and, um, and we're singing it for hundreds of years. Um, but I think, uh, you know, again, most of us aren't Mozart. There's, <laughs> right. there's only been one Mozart, you know. Um, and so uh, uh, for a lot of us, I think coming back to it, you know, um, uh, interestingly enough, um, I just went back to a, a hymn I wrote in 2009. So this is 10 years ago. Yeah. I went back to it, and I was never satisfied with one verse of it. And I went back to it um, just within the last few days because um, I was the, the hymn was in my head. I was thinking about it, and I was like, I'm just not happy with this. Um, and I came back to it and ended up um, uh editing some lyrics and now I, I think it's a lot stronger yeah. it was like that line there was not a great line but now like it's really hitting on what I wanted to say yeah. there and wow, um, so that was a 10 year gap between it you know um, but I think you know uh, sharing with other people getting some yeah. feedback I yeah. think the collaborative work is really important writing with other people you get to learn from them hear from them yeah do you have a group that you participate yeah. with that in you know I used to um, I, I used to do it more um, in college there were there was a few of us in that 
in the band and the group that I was, I was part of where we all um, did that together in that way. Um, that was really good. Um, and then uh, out of that, um, it, there were just some individuals that I'd get with. But here at the seminary, we've really tried to create space for songwriters. I have a monthly gathering of people coming together to share stuff they've written or for me to give a prompt. We'll talk about theology. So really seeing... Um, uh, a friend of mine, Glenn Packiam, um, wrote something up not too long ago about how a lot of people see theology as a gate uh, in songwriting, uh-huh. song lyrics. Uh-huh. Um, and, and so they, uh, it's like, okay, we're going to write this. Is it theologically correct? Like, do yeah. we get through all the gates? Right. And he said, um, we don't see it as a doorway. Like, let's look at theological topics and try to write something on it. You know, where are the yeah. places that we're not talking about these theological ideas? Let that be a doorway into some new practice. So with this group, that's what I've really been trying to do over the last two years. And, and I do a class in this as well. So um, it's a way to uh, to say, well, let's, let's be a doorway op- that, that we're opening up to do new, um, to think about new songs. Um, and so, so I prompt them and then they can, sh- you know, we'll, we'll break off into groups and work on some stuff and maybe it's only a verse that somebody came up with but then we we'll come back and share them mm-hmm. and give some feedback and all that so there's, there's a really good group we have a um it's a large group of people that are interested in it and really want to have been part of it at different times um, but we've got a real good solid core of about eight of us that are That's getting cool. together regularly um, to talk about things to share things and um, some really neat opportunities coming up we're trying to connect or well we have actually connected with New Room and Seedbed to think through opportunities for the future and uh, how can we encourage more songwriters within the Wesleyan tradition? How can we produce more songs for congregational worship? How can we feed into one another? How can we collaborate with one another? How can we encourage one another? And how can we resource the church ultimately um, for our worship? Yeah, for sure. Um, Talk to me again about the theology being a gateway versus a doorway. Because you're not saying that theological correctness in songs isn't important. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's very important. But I think uh, um, uh, I felt this way, and I thought uh, Glenn um, articulated it very well. He said, um, uh, we, it's almost like we come to theology with some fear and trepidation. Right. You know, yeah. like, here's my song, and now I have to, like, match it up to make sure it's all correct there, which is good and important and we need to do. And he wouldn't deny that either. He says, like, yes, that is necessary, that is needed, um, and receive that correction, you know, like mm, we need to be able mm-hmm, to do that. Sometimes mm-hmm. the, you know, art is so personal, it's hard sometimes to let it into other people's hands and to, to allow that critique and things. It's very hard. It, it really is. But, you know, we grow through, that's part of the means of grace, that kind of the Christian conferencing, you know, working together on these things to, to spur one another towards holiness and and uh, um, and that can even work in in increasing the um, uh, the the theology the theological um, content of our songs and things. Um, but uh, yeah, for for um, uh, for us to come and, and to allow that um, that theological um, input, I guess, and to say the 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 there needs to be an, a good fence around a theological fence that keeps things within. Um, uh, proper theological framework, you know, or maybe framework's better than a fence. That just seems like such negative language. <laughs> right. There is a framework of theology that has to stay within, you know. But um, but to say um, it, it tends to be, I mean, a lot of people that I talk to, and when I work with songwriters and things, uh, there does seem to be this this piece of okay, we're going to I'm going to write a song, 
and then I'm going to come back and see if it's theologically correct. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of songwriters, too, aren't getting theological education. Right. Yeah. 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 So um, so, uh, there's kind of a lay theology being put out there that could have been formed well by the church or may not have been formed well by the church. Mm -hmm. Um, It might be very kind of emotionally or impulse-based, um, or it might be very thoughtful and going through the scriptures and things like that. It might be I'm simply trying to write something like I'm, I'm studying some hymns and Hillsong songs, yeah. you know, and trying to write something like that. Or it might be I'm simply doing a, a, a kind of a emotional journaling of something, you know. Right. Um, and with all of that to say, um, you know, there's all kinds of approaches and 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 direction there, but. Um, uh, I think there's need for pastors and songwriters to work more together, theologians and songwriters to work together, um, to help one another. Um, I, the the beautiful thing is, you know, looking at a group like Hillsong right now, their lyrical content just keeps getting better and better. I Absolutely. mean, it's so robust. It is amazing. If you look at their the last 15 years, what they've done just, mm-hmm. just blows me away. I, I love it. Then you have modern hymn writers like Matt Redman and Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart yes, Townend. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, this amazing content. And then to go back to the old hymns as well and, and just like, this is all really good stuff. Um, but, uh, it, all, all of that is just to say, um, that, uh, that that the collaborative work is is important and it's good and I think we need to see more of it and I also think that songwriters, if they are wishing to um, to resource the church for congregational worship, they need to be willing to open themselves up to theological education, whether that's the songs they've written to 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 submit them and say, okay, do please critique this and let me know. There's, are there places that are off somewhat theologically, and we need to consider it. Um, but also to say, study theology. You know, read some theological books. Read read people. Um, come to seminary. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, I think it'd be great. To say like, no, you don't have to get a degree in songwriting. Get a degree in Bible and MDiv theological yeah. studies. But someone like Michael Card, you know, he got uh, he, he got his master's in biblical studies so that he could be a better songwriter. Interesting. You know, yeah, he didn't study songwriting. He studied the Bible so that he could bring that into a songwriting. Yeah. So this is like me talking across the street at the university when I was at um, uh, 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 or when I was a, a sophomore in uh, in college. You know, um, thinking like, okay, I've got all this biblical studies, and I want to connect it now to. That, you know, like I want to bring these things together. Yeah. So seminary for me, um, to go back to I think our very yeah, first our, question. I'm thinking like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or come yeah, full circle right, now. Yeah. yeah, it's good. Um, so coming to seminary, um, I, I originally wanted to do theological studies. Um, I came in to do the MATS, theological okay. studies. And um, my thought with it was um, I wanted to look at worship. Um, I'd, I'd served in churches. I'd done some music and things like that. And, and what really got me into worship was my youth pastor, in, in high school, um, he uh, I had a baseball injury that did not allow me to play sports in high school, oh. and uh, so my my legs were out and oh, I could not do, yeah. yeah yeah so I was out and I loved baseball I wanted to play baseball in oh, college oh yeah and the well the, the World Series will not yep. even be anywhere right, close right, to yeah. happening but we just we're <laughs> just recording finished, the day yeah. after the World Series yeah. so yeah it was yeah. very exciting very exciting yeah yeah and so I love baseball and that's what I wanted to do and it just didn't. Um, that was not going to happen in high school, which meant you know it'd be really hard to do it in college. So in high school, I decided um, 
well, my legs are bad. Like I can't use my legs. I can't do a lot of physical activity and, and all this while my legs are healing from this injury um, or my leg in particular, one leg in particular. Um, so, um, uh, so I want to learn guitar. And the reason I want to learn guitar was to play campfire songs from, I, I grew up going to Aldersgate camp in Eastern Kentucky. No way. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I loved campfire cause we sang songs around campfire every night. And so I told my youth pastor, like, that's all I want to do, you know? And so he taught me some of those songs and yeah. started teaching me songs for youth group. Like I started leading in youth group. Then he had me leading with him at church and then he had him leading with me at church. And then eventually he stepped away and I was leading and he was oh, doing other things. Yeah, that's a beautiful mentoring it, oh, opportunity. Yeah. Beautiful. Like uh, that has been the model that I've tried to uh, emulate because um, I just thought that was so, so good. So, um, so we did all that. And then, um, uh, you know, coming to college, uh, doing all this with songwriting and everything, um, and leading at a church, Southern Hills, you know, Methodist Church here in Lexington. Um, I did music there um, the whole time I was in college um, and, and just had this real interest in worship, um, then uh, served overseas as a missionary for a little bit, and then uh, worked at a church in North Carolina and came to seminary. And I thought, I want to study worship, um, but I want to look a lot more into history of worship, and I, I want to look into um, theology in general and how all these things really relate mm-hmm, together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after I, I, I'd, I'd started here, I found out Lester Ruth, who was the professor of worship at the time um, when I was here, um, had just uh, started a track or a concentration or degree, whatever it was at the time, in, um, in worship. And so I, I switched over Perfect, to that. Yeah. And so that's what I did was uh, I, I focused on worship studies here. Um, and, um, and, and so, that, that, yeah, it was perfect. It was, it was so good. But the emphasis within that that I did in worship studies was lyrical theology. Interesting, So yeah. I did independent studies. I, you know, a lot of my professors, I would talk to them and I would say, would you, would you mind if I looked at, um, you know, I think of a, um, a class I did with Ruth Ann Reese, and I said, would you care if I, my final paper, if I looked at liturgy and songs... Oh, um, yeah. Like this topic in terms of liturgy, like the the liturgy and song, um, kind of normative song things here, um, and and other professors too. Can I look at Charles Wesley's writings in relation, you know, like an Augustine seminar? Can I look at this writing of Augustine and and kind of coinc- like kind of draw some parallels and and kind of how they in, how that inf- not influences, but how that illumines some things that Charles Wesley has been doing in his writings mm-hmm. here. And so I was, I was trying to bring those into the classes I was doing already, you know, apart from the, the concentration that I had. But then, of course, in the concentration, I did independent studies and took classes on um, lyrical theology, worship in the arts, songwriting and theology, things like that. Yeah, that's cool. So, yeah. so you've been teaching at the seminary for since 2017, is that right? Yes, so yeah. it's my third full year. Okay, yeah. what classes do you teach? So the normal ones that I teach are uh, normal ones, that sounds weird. <laughs> regular ones is what I should say. <laughs> you teach normal, normal and abnormal. Yeah, I do, yeah. <laughs> Which I, maybe some people would agree with that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, but the, the, the standard classes I teach, um, uh, we've got w, W0510, Worship Leadership in the Church, and that's required for all MDivs um, that come, come through. And uh, that's offered multiple times every year in different formats, so okay. hybrid, online, on campus, um, and intensives um, usually too. So, uh, and, and I teach multiple sections of that class, so I'm, I'm really hanging on that one a lot um, throughout the year. And then uh, usually once a year, I'll teach a sacramental theology class. And I really enjoy that. My, um, 
my my first doctoral degree focused on um, baptism and baptismal spirituality and catechesis. Oh, cool! And so, you're getting working on another one. Right I am. Now yeah, at the finishing up the theology. yeah London School of Theology focused on the worship theology of Robert Weber, okay. um, who's a, a prominent uh, worship theologian, speaking specifically to the evangelical church, trying to mature. Um, worship apart from these things that we've talked okay, about, consumerist, yeah. education-focused, you cool. know. Did you say you like finished that. that or you are finishing it? I am finishing it. should be okay. within this year. Or not cool. the, like 2019. Well, this will be in 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2020 yeah. Uh, should, should be finished with that. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Um, um, you were talking about sacramental theology. Thank you. Yes, yeah. sacramental theology. So I teach sacramental theology, and uh, and I really enjoy that class. I... I um, uh, that's a very fun one to teach, and I usually do that as an intensive at some point throughout the year. Um, but then I um, and those two are being offered before I got here. Those were those are already classes um, as part of the catalog. And then um, I had done a class um, as I think it was like as a tutorial um, with Lester Ruth when he was here on songwriting and theology, and I thought it was a great class. And wanted to, but it but it disappeared. It went in the catalog and all that. So. Um, I brought it back um, in the catalog, and so nice. I do that one. I don't do it every year. Um, at least right now, I'm not doing it every year. It, it, it uh, I did do it last year, last fall, and then I'll do it next spring. Okay. Um, but I think we're probably gonna. It just depends on the interest. You know, yeah. try to get um, numbers and stuff for the class to make. I think we're gonna try to do it every three to four semesters. Okay. Um, yeah. But that's a very fun class. Um, it's uh, you know all the students that we. I think we had twelve students in it last year. And I think all of them said um, it. Uh, it felt more like uh, just a fun gathering than a class. Cause, yeah, you know, I mean, there cool. is work. You know, some papers and stuff you do yeah. with it as well. But, um, but a lot of songwriting and a lot of stuff we've talked about here that we try to work on. Um, and then a couple other uh, that I do. Uh, a chapel band is always offered okay, yeah. as a as a course, so you can just volunteer and, and audition for chapel band. But if you'd like to receive credit for it, you can always do that too. And mm-hmm. so um, I would work with you a little bit more individually on whatever, you know, if you want to play bass in chapel, we would talk about some goals to set and then nice. number of times that you'd play in chapel and um, yeah. work through some things just in terms of worship and all that yeah. and preparation. Um, so, and, or, and, and of course, worship leaders, you know, those have been the main ones that have taken it as a class. Those are actually leading the music and selecting music and leading the bands and all that. So... Um, so I'll teach, I teach that one. Um, and then, um, independent studies. I've, uh, I, uh, uh, this is a really stupid thing to be proud of, but <laughs> since before I started, so I adjuncted for the seminary for, I can't remember if it was two or three years before I started full time. Um, so I've been doing that three years, but the year before I started, so the year that I was an adjunct, I did an independent study, um, every term that we had that year before okay. I started. And then the semester I started, like somebody signed up for an independent study with me as soon as I started here, my very first semester. And so um, I have a streak going now where I have had somebody do an independent study with me every term since a year before I started full time awesome. here. Yeah, and I already have two independent studies lined up for next semester, so the streak continues. <laughs> it's a really stupid <laughs> thing to great. be proud of, no, but awesome. it's just something fun to yeah, <laughs> like that's trivia. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So as we wrap up, the, well, yeah. there's as we wrap up the podcast, it's called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast. So yes. what's a practice? It can be spiritual or otherwise that is helping you thrive in your life right now. That is a fantastic question. That I mean, fitting for the podcast and. Uh, I lo- yeah. Wow. I just, I, I love that you're asking that yeah. at the end. Yeah. 
Um, you know, um, for me right now, I, I, I feel like I go through seasons of disciplines, you know, I don't, um, um, so, you know, like fasting or something. I'm not fasting right now, you know, doing a regular time yeah. of fasting right now, but usually during Advent and Lent, I really try to, incre- you know, really try to do intentional fasting and stuff. And I say that just to show that, like, there's seasons that um, are very meaningful and very Im- impactful for me. And um, I've, I've been in this season recently of, um, of really setting aside time for prayer um, on Sunday mornings before I, before, before anything's going on in terms of like, I'm waking up, um, early, I'm waking up very early and, and I'm really not trying to say this anyway, in, in a prideful sense, um, and all that, but I'm, I'm waking up really early. Um, so I can, I can go and spend time at my church's sanctuary in prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just for, and this is what's been a, a big part of it for me is to not pray just for me, but to pray for our congregation, mm-hmm. to pray for our worship, to pray for the um, the sense of God's abiding presence with us, to mm-hmm. pray for the things that are on my heart and, and the people that I love and care about and, and know about, you know, things mm-hmm. in their lives as well. But to um, to get up and, and just do it, yeah. you know, and it's not, I mean, almost every Saturday night I think, oh, this week I could not do this, you yeah. know. Um, but, um, but I've, I've just decided every week I'm doing it and, um, it has, um, there's been something so special about it, you know, and I even hesitate to even talk about it because that's not the, you know, like, right, and it can, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's, um, uh, something about just showing up even, yeah. you know, and there's time and, and sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for 45, 30, 45 mm-hmm. minutes, you know just to spend time in prayer for that 30, 45 minutes. And I find myself starting to think about, you know, um, lunch or I find myself starting. So it's just good yeah. for me to like redirect myself yeah. and and try to spend that time in prayer and, you know, and, and sometimes think like, oh gosh, that was a great time of prayer. You know, this was, oh, I just, I, 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 I feel like I gave so much to God and this was such a meaningful and, 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 um, uh, um, robust time of prayer, you know, like that was a good 30 minutes. And I'll look at my watch like, oh, that was five. <laughs> you know, like, right. Okay, let's keep going, you know. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's it's disciplining me. It's it's uh, it's it's orienting me, you know. Um, but uh, I have found myself entering into worship um, these last few months that I've been doing that. I have been coming into those times of worship completely different wow you know there's something about coming and just preparing myself mm-hmm. and uh um and doing that it's just been different. and i know and, and of course i know everybody can't do that you know and um and i'm usually going in early anyway i'm just trying to get earlier <laughs> right you know? um and uh you know like my wife and i both couldn't do that because somebody's gotta be with the kids you know i mean there's pragmatic right. you know, practical yeah. concerns yeah. there so i'm not anyway saying like that's what everybody should do to have good worship yeah but, it's just working for you yeah. in this season of your life yes. right now yes and and it's just been it's been beautiful and um and if nothing else you know it there there's a greater sense of that whole time in, i'm in worship that god is here mm-hmm. god's presence here yeah. god is here because um, I spent that time there, yeah. and uh, and also just the the prayer part of it, um, as we were, we were talking about just a little bit ago, um, to to say, you know, very first thing, um, 
God, I, I need you. Yeah. Um, I, none of this is going to be, I can't even sit here in this prayer time on my own. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me mm-hmm. do this next half hour or 40 minutes, whatever, you know. Um, and, uh, and I think that is, I think that's where it started actually was realizing like, okay, I'm going to do, I just decided once I'm going to do this. I did it. And the very first thing I realized, like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so hard. My first prayer was Holy Spirit, you got to help me with this. And I think that started making me realize like, oh, I don't pray that in other things. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) When it comes to like, I just said, I'm yeah, I just said, I'm going to spend 30, 45 minutes in prayer. I'm going to do it. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I can't do it. Like Holy Spirit, you've got to help me do this. And then I started realizing like, oh, it's not just that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's a good word. That's beautiful. So thank you so much, Jonathan, for being on the podcast today. You have given me and us so much to think about. So thank you you very much. Hey, y'all. Thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Jonathan. Our conversation expanded my view of worship as more than meeting together in community, but as a lifestyle that reflects God as creator in our daily rhythms. So grateful for the conversation and the reminder that worship is a meeting with God, and I'm challenged to find ways to practice that. I hope you enjoyed the conversation too. You can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Asbury Seminary. So have a great day, y'all, and go do something that helps you thrive.